The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. I have with me today Philip Camella, who's written a tremendously insightful book called The Collapse of Materialism, which in itself uh, is a pretty controversial title. So, Philip, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Peter. It's great, have, you know, it's great being here, and I appreciate you having me on the show. Well, it's my absolute pleasure. Now, what I'm really interested in right off the top of the, of, of the conversation is the fact that you are a, a lawyer by profession, and yet you've written this uh, very significant book uh, about the energy around uh, what is happening in the world today, the awakening and the basic scientific principles that have been used in the world and the world religions. So tell our listeners a bit about how you came to be on this uh, journey uh, and how it works out with being a lawyer. Well, I, I think that this, this particular project started in college when I studied philosophy, and it's always been my vision that there must be a way to combine science and religion, that, we need, that there must be a way to knock down the wall separating the, these two fields of thought and build a new worldview that combines the aspirations of religion with the rigor, the logic of science. And I always thought that there was something wrong in the way that the common person, the way that we're brought up to view the world with sort of uh, a split uh, brain, religion and science. And so, so from the beginning, I approached it as, as a person, as a, as a man, as a philosopher. I became a lawyer for a trade, and the, and the legal profession has helped me articulate the ideas, structure them, support them with authority, and to be conservative with my arguments because I knew that I was going to be controversial in the argument and I wanted to have the training, the ammunition that it was going to take to knock down the wall here. And so I think that the – so at the end of the day, the legal training has really helped me structure the book and, and validate it and ground it as deeply as I can to, to see if, if, if we could truly knock down the walls of materialism right now. Well, you're certainly doing that in the book. <laughs> and I sincerely, <laughs> sincerely hope that, the, that, well, it is happening in the world, isn't it? And, and I'm sure we, we both have experienced opportunities, which we can talk about later, to really understand and, and, and sense this, uh, this shift which is taking place. 
But before we go there, perhaps you could just give our listeners a bit of an insight into the research that you've done and, and where basically our traditional science has gone wrong. Well, one way to look at it is in the time of the founding of science in the 16th and 17th centuries, the era of Newton, there was a sort of a split in the way that leading thinkers were going. There was the idealistic or idealism uh, branch, which is the mind first, the world is an idea, um, headed up by folks like uh, Berkeley and Hegel. And then there was this, the world is a machine mindset that was really started by Descartes and Newton. And because science was so successful in describing the workings of the machine, the model of the machine, which is the model of materialism, this viewpoint that the world at its essence is really a, mind, a really mindless particles, impersonal energy, that this mechanical model took over control of our, of our brains. It became the leading paradigm, the paradigm which today we're all living under. And the other branch, the mind first branch, sort of got buried with mysticism. And now I think what we're seeing with the rise of consciousness, a lot of things you talk about on this show, on your show, things that I talk about on my radio show, Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, we're seeing that the mechanical worldview does not explain enough. It, it does not account for the human spirit, for the paranormal, for life after death, for all these things that we know are true. And so I think that right now we are at that point where where the the consciousness the awakening is sort of at its bursting point peter i hope that we're close to it and and what i'm trying to do is say let's knock it down and let's knock it down to this foundation right well i don't, i certainly feel uh, we are right in that moment now of this explosion and and, and of the the shift in consciousness and awareness and, and the change over, which again um, doesn't necessarily mean the destruction of all, because there's been some very useful things come out of this. But it's this it's this idea that we can go way beyond the limitations of this of this science. And when I was a chemistry teacher, I, I used to teach the grade eleven course about atomic structure, and, and in your book you actually go over the development of atomic structure through Niels Bohr and Rutherford and, and all and all those. Uh, times and i knew when i was teaching that what i was actually teaching the kids wasn't the truth and i said so i said you know this is the the level at which you're supposed to operate for your exams and for your tests and so on but actually this is much more like the real truth which is when we get into uh, quantum mechanics and, and quantum theory so perhaps you could just do a little bit of a development of historically how the science has evolved into this moment now where we can actually begin to see this, uh, this merging together of science and spirituality? Well, I think, I think that the, the model of the atom and the development evolution towards quantum theory is a really good story, and, and I'm sure you've had guests on this show that talked about it, but when you think about it, it shows a number of developments. First of all, it shows that science itself builds models of physical reality. And remember, I'm sure you taught the solar system model of the atom, which is which is still being taught in the schools. It's a model of reality. It's something that allows us to work with it. Okay? Now, but we know through the findings of quantum theory that particles don't exist of little orbiting particles. 
It's really a wave equation, bits of nothing, energy packets, or what I like to say, dream stuff, that Shakespeare was actually right, right, that we are the stuff of what dreams are made. And so as science starts, continues its progression into understanding the world, what is so fascinating is that they're finding that the mind first standpoint was right after all. That, that, the, that the research into materialism, and with the atom being a good example, shows that the world is fundamentally mind and spirit, because that's what quantum theory shows. And, and the fact is, is that that has not penetrated our mindsets enough. It's clearly penetrated the mindsets of people like Fred Allen Wolf, Amikaswamy, Bernard Hash, and a bunch of other people writing on this topic. But, but when you think about it, science and, and the American public, we have, or the general public, has not come to terms with the fact that we are, at essence, living in a spiritual world and we're spiritual creatures. So it's really an exciting so, time. Yeah, absolutely. And so what is your view on the, on, on the Haldron Collider, this massive machine that's been built in, in Switzerland? Yeah, yeah I wrote I, I wrote it. I wrote an article uh, on in Veritas on on the Hadron Collider, and it was it was along the lines of that we need to protest against it because when you think about it, the Large Hadron Collider is really a metaphor for science's search to find God in a particle, or to find ultimate reality in a thing. It is the ultimate symbol, a six billion dollar symbol of science's quest to find truth outside of itself, outside of ourselves. And that's, that's why I think it's so interesting that they call it the God particle. Okay? Now, <laughs> now unf- it's, it's so amazing. And, and unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of enlightenment, a lot of change in our consciousness when, this, when the 6,000 physicists over there found the God particle. It was like it was a big ho-hum. Like, what does it mean for us? So, so the... So the the moral, so the answer, the short answer is, I think we should be spending the six billion dollars on nurturing the human spirit, not f- blowing up particles, looking looking futilely for truth inside a little thing. So, so I'm not a big fan of the Large Hadron Collider, <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly. <laughs> and so, looking then, so looking then from this, we're talking about the atomic structure side of it now. And then, what about the biological side? Looking at, at Darwinism, for example, and the evolution of species and how that fits into this. Well, that that's uh, one of the more controversial uh, parts of this, and there is sort of a sociological component to it, because when you think about it, if you say that you don't believe in Darwin, you're immediately labeled as a creationist. It's like we have the, a dichotomy. You're either a Darwinist or you're a creationist, and there is no middle ground. Now, I think that itself is flawed thinking. Whoever said that the answer to life was a multiple-choice question with only two answers? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Okay? Now, here, I, I, Darwin, to me, was wrong. For a, for a lot of reasons, and I actually agree with a lot of the creationist arguments. For example, uh, you have to start with the Big Bang being true, so, so you have to have something come from nothing. How did life arise from the dead particles in the primordial soup? 
that's, that is probably one of the top three mysteries of science. Nobody knows how life originated. There's a lot of books with the title Origin of Life, but if you read them, nobody really knows. And, then the, and the most curious thing, I think, is the DNA molecule. The DNA molecule has been called a dictionary of life. It is a code. I think the DNA molecule, and you probably understand it very well, Peter, from your chemistry background, it is, an, it's a, it is a ordered, structured molecule that hands out instructions for building living things. And now how, how did a random collection of particles manage to assemble themselves into a dictionary for life? I don't think that makes any sense at all. And then when you add on that Darwinian evolution is driven by random mutations, how can random mutations create something like the human body or, or, the, or, the, or the adaptation of living things to the environment? So there's a lot of problems with Darwinianism, but I think the number one problem is what I said in the beginning, that we, that we take it on faith that what people like Richard Dawkins says is true. And what I'm saying in the book, among other things, is, hey, don't, don't just accept these things without questioning. We don't do it for anybody else. If our politicians say we, they, that they need to raise taxes for some reason, we stand back and say, why? Well, why aren't we asking those same questions for people that are telling us how we evolved? See, So I don't think we evolved from the apes. I think we evolved from the mind of God. Uh, so... I have a lot of problems with Darwinianism. So, Philip, we're just coming up to our first break, which we'll take now. It's Peter Tung, Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers, but are looking for more? The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality. Live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the 7th Wave Channel. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. 
If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com, where you'll get all of the information of the work that we're doing and past shows and the work with the Landscape Zodiac and uh, what's coming up in the near future. And also, uh, if you wish to join our Thursday morning live meditations, please go to the events link, uh, www.petertung.com, and you can join us for those live meditations. I have with me today Philip Merton, who's written an excellent book called The Collapse of Materialism. And in the first segment, uh, Philip was filling us in on his uh, doubts, uh, and which I share with him, about the way in which uh, our science has developed to this point. And as a former scientist, um, I, I always questioned, uh, as Philip was suggesting we should, the information and, and so much of what the scientific uh, uh, world was based upon were some early assumptions which were assumed to be true, which we now know are not. And so we really do have to uh, use our own um, insight, intuition, awareness to challenge and question absolutely everything that, uh, that comes up in our lives so we can really become aware and, and centered upon what is really true and, and, and how we should be living our lives in the world. So you also address the whole question of religion in the in the book, Philip. So tell our listeners a little bit about that aspect of uh, the development. Okay, so the ultimate goal of my book, and I think of our lives generally, is to unify science and religion, to give them both value in a new world outlook. So we know that religion exists. We know that in the back of our mind, at the seat of our soul, there is this notion of a God, a spirit, a oneness. Science materialists say to throw that away, it's just some kind of childish mythical belief. It doesn't make any sense. And that, you know, as illustrated by, a, by the books by Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens, the famous book being The God Delusion. You know, we're deluded to, to believe in God. But if you take a mind-first approach, and if you don't assume that we are machines, if you instead assume that the world is a projection or a dream of God, you've now laid a foundation to make religion true. Because you look at books like the Bible, for example, as the story of the early folks arising in the dream of God, and they're trying to figure it out. You look at Eastern religion, the Buddha under the tree. He's, he's saying, release yourself from the material world. Look in. Unite your soul with the grand mind underlying the world. It starts making sense. And so I think religion has truth, and I think it is true, but we need to look at it from a different perspective. My biggest complaint about organized religion is that we is that we take this assumption that that God only spoke to people once, and that it was engraved in the holy books, and those books are frozen in time and can never change. My my spin on that is, whoever said that God itself doesn't evolve, doesn't change? We need to come to a 
greater understanding of what God is and what spirit is. And frankly, Peter, I think that's what you do on your show, what your guests do, and what a lot of us are trying to do. We're trying to understand spirit, who we are. And so what I try to do in my book is I'm trying to make religion real, bring it up to date, it, uh, make, it, make, make it something that we could be that we could be logical and scientific, but understand that at the root of reality is the mind of God, blessed with this dreaming power that we'll never know where that comes from. And we are, we are incredibly lucky to be here in this world. And it's because of the, of the miracle of the dreaming mind of God. Radical in some ways, but exactly consistent with Eastern religion and much of Western religion. It's really interesting, isn't it, that the way that it's evolved, that, that the religion, or uh, certainly Christianity, seems to buy into the scientific materialistic view. Right, right. And a lot of it, and this is, this is what's interesting. I'm glad, you, I'm, I'm glad you raised that. I mean, one of the big arguments that the scientific mainstream makes against the book of Genesis is, well, are you saying, guys, that, uh, that God in the sky just pointed his finger and zapped a, a world from nothing, that created this world from nothing? How is that possible? Now, notice that question is framed within the mechanical worldview, the worldview that assumes that apart from us is this machine. Well, you, you, you know, they're right. How is it possible for any spirit to, like, zap a independent material world from nothing, the world of science. That is quite a miracle. But if you view God as a dreaming mind, as an infinite mind, now you have a way for God to create the world, you see? And that, that, is, that is something that, if you think about it, to me, helps break down the wall between science and religion. It gives some truth to the book of Genesis. And frankly, I think it's beautiful reading the book of Genesis with this mindset you know, let there be light, and there was light. It's such a beautiful framing of what really is happening. The, the light flashed in the mind first. I mean, I think, that, I think there's truth to it. Will I ever know? No. It's, it's really speculation, but it would make sense that if you're a dreaming mind, the first thing that's going to happen is a flash of light. So you start the book off uh, talking a little bit about the paranormal and experiences that people have had and, and are having um, in different areas. Um, so, so what was the intention in beginning the book with that, uh, that point of view or that, those, uh, those awarenesses? Well, I wanted to show that the notion that we are one mind is, is, is supported by, by a lot of experiences that we have. For I mean, for example, I start off by saying we all have dreams. Many of us have, hallucin- have hallucinated. We know the mind is capable of projecting a real seeming world from inside itself. We know that's possible. So, and then I say, well, the way we could explain the public world is that let's suppose we just, we have one mind and the public world stands in the same relation to the universal mind as our individual dreams stand to our own minds, okay? And so I think that the paranormal, things like mind over matter, telepathy, synchronicity, all these things show a unified consciousness. 
And so, so I want, I wanted to show if you take it, if you take a completely open mind and you just, and you actually give some credence to the literature on the paranormal, you start saying, Hey, there's a foundation for these things to be true. Because if you live in a world of spirit, a dream world, of course, of course, minds can talk to each other. And of course, once in a while, when you're in a heightened state, the zone, the athlete zone, you're going to have exert greater control over the world. It's an amazing, to me, it's an amazing way to look at things. And it, it but and also it is refreshing because it it gives it gives truth and validity to so much of what we know to be true. You know, you know, Peter. I mean, there's so much. There's so many good people, authentic people, who have experiment have have who have experienced, experimented, and tested the paranormal. Then these people are right. They're onto something, and it proves something about our world. So I wanted to show that if you open your mind and bring this in, we start. We have evidence, real-world evidence, of a united mind. So that's why I did it that way. But let's talk about synchronicity a little bit, because for me, it is one of the most uh, significant aspects of what you're talking about in terms of demonstrating and showing us that we actually are on track, that we are connecting through these vibrational frequencies that, that synchronize time and space, which actually help lead us on, on this journey. So talk a little bit about synchronicity from your point of view. Well, I think synchronicity is a, is a shining example and a very entertaining example in many instances that one author writes the story of life. Because when these rare rare coincidences come up when these when these uh, coincidences pile on top of each other i mean the example one example i give in my book is just a little just a little one but i was reading a book called his excellency the, the biography of george washington and i came across a word it was icasi started with an I, I think it's I-K-A-S-S-E, some word I've never heard of. I looked it up, and it was a Russian directive. Okay? I'm, the next day going to work, I'm going up the elevator, and the word of the day was ICASI. Now, I thought, I thought that was a little strange. And, and it, sort of, it sort of tells you, well, something is in sync here because how can these events sort of blend into each other? in such a way that it tells us that we're part of a story, a story which we'll probably never figure out, but that's leaving signs and clues all around us that there's a greater purpose hanging over us. And I don't know about you, but and because I think synchronicities can be interpreted in all sorts of ways. But to me, it's, it says there that we are living out a one storyline here, and when you start noticing these things, these coincidences, it brings more meaning and value to our purpose here on Earth. Well, it makes it, as you say, it makes it a lot of fun, too. And you get these little uh, confirmations, validations, and these just funny, quirky connections that you just would never, you, you wouldn't have written a book about it, <laughs> that fictional yeah. book, because it just, doesn't, it just doesn't seem to make sense. But when it happens, it makes absolute total sense. So I'm, I'm with you all the way there. Yeah. So we're coming up to our second break. We'll take that now. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation.
This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be visionary. Be extraordinary. Be the change. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. I just want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors for this series of shows. Sherry Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada. And also the great people at Voice America, Matt, our regular engineer, and Brandy Jackson, my producer, who provide the opportunity for me to bring such great guests to you, the listeners, so that you can discerningly work through what is happening in the world today. And I have one of those great guests with me today, Philip Camella, and Philip has written a book called The Collapse of Materialism, and we've had a, a chat in the first two segments about science and religion and how in some ways they've created this uh, significant limitation on, uh, on where we are in the world, although it was all part of the, the process of evolving and realizing this. Um, but, so now, uh, Philip, I'd love uh, for you to actually... Describe to us uh, what you in the book call the real dream and what that actually is in terms of your understanding and belief of, of what this is really all about. Yeah, well... It's your, it's your big moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is what it comes down to, and I address this early in the book. So my, my argument is that the world is a dream of God. Okay, Now, the, one of the first objections to that kind of a statement is the world looks too real to be a dream, okay? So, but the response to that is, well, that's, well, what do we have to compare it to? The only thing we have to compare our public world to is our night dreams. So perhaps our daily dreams, our pub, or the public world, 
is simply a higher order dream. And if and if you if you take the step by saying that that if minds combine, if there is a united mind, if there is a God, then an infinite mind can surely dream the public world. Okay, and so that's that to me is the world we live in, a dream of God. But then people might say, well, how come it doesn't just fly away? How come it just doesn't, you know, um, float away into, into the sky somewhere? And aren't we, and, you know, and what does that mean for us? The answer is, is that our bodies are part of the dream. We are spiritual creatures in a spiritual world. A dream is always real to the dreamer. If you look back up in your own in, our, in your own dreams, you're always fooled by the reality of your dream. That's the whole point. And so our bodies are as real as the dream. They cancel out. It's real to us because we are also dreamers. And so the real dream answers the question, well, what about the reality of the world? This is as real as worlds get, folks. Because it's the only possible world, and the reason it's real to us is because we are spiritual creatures. We are dream stuff in a world filled with dream stuff. And so that's, that is it's very, very important. The world doesn't change. Our perception of it changes. Our limiting beliefs go away. We've, we're now the, the authors of our story. We're now at the controls. We could determine our own lives. We could follow that highest dream. So, so the real dream worldview is that worldview where we understand that we are divine creatures in an enchanted world. So I hope that answers the question, but it's, it's very important thinking. Another way to look at it is quantum theory. You could approach it from the, that perspective and if everything is energy, everything is wave equations, then so are we. It's exactly the same conclusion. We are part of a world of energy that have formed themselves into living things in order to live a life and forget that at, at the bottom we are really nothing. So, so it's, a, it's a, to me, an uplifting way to look at things, and is, it, it is in tune with the way things really are. So the question that, that comes to mind immediately for me when, when you're saying this, and, and, and I am with you as far as, I, as my understanding is, so if, if we're all part of this same dream and we're sharing this, this dream and we're all part of the, the totality of, of it, um, and, and the world is reflecting him as an individual and collective, how does that play out in terms of my dream and your dream? And when our when our dreams meet at some, as we have on this show, how, how does that work when people have different dreams and they all have the same dream? Can you talk a bit about that? Well, one way to look at it is let's suppose that the principle that the world is a dream of the united unconscious mind of God, that that was accepted as a scientific truth, okay? So it is now ingrained in our beings, just like the law of gravity. It's something that is part of us. We're part of one family, and we should be striving for the same goal, which is heaven on earth 
peace on this planet. That's the big goal. We all we will always have our individual dreams. We will always have our personal pursuits, our likes and dislikes, our talents, our abilities. We will always be different because you got to be different. We will always have our lives, but we need to combine our our internal power, our dreaming power, and point this planet towards a place where God could fulfill, could fulfill its dream of a world of a world united. The ultimate goal here is to unite in the physical world what is united at the spiritual world. Okay, and there is nothing. This is a step by step process. And you, we have to we have to understand that right now, with the materialistic standpoint, it separates us from each other, and it separates us from the world. We're all doing our own little thing, and we don't have a unified vision for the world. What I'm saying, Peter, is that if the if the real dream or something like it is is accepted as scientific truth, we we all know what's going to help us. We got to point this grand ship of ours, this, this planet, towards the one goal that will satisfy everybody, the vision, which is the heaven on earth. So just to, to interrupt that, because I want to come back to that theme in a moment. So in terms of this dream, where does what we would call evil on the planet fit into this? How does that fit in? Well, first of all, evil, you know, that one of the strongest arguments against the existence of God, of course, is evil, the problem of evil. And the easy way to answer that question is that, well, evil exists because we are God, and we haven't grown up, we haven't awakened to our true essence. I think, there's all, I think there will always be evil, but when, you, but when you ingrain, absorb these truths, these spiritual truths inside you, when you become like, a, like Jesus-like or Christ-like, Buddha-like, or when you when you awaken, I think it it brings with it it instills a moral a stronger moral sense. I think you're nicer to people because you have a greater understanding of what the world is really about. So I think over I think over time we'll see a gradual decline in evil. You know, remember and uh, Stephen Pinker has that book. The, uh, the Better Angels of Our Nature, where he did a massive study showing that violence is declining and that we actually live in one of the most peaceful, the, actually the most peaceful uh, civilization ever on this planet. And that's without being pushed. So I think that evil will eventually decline over time as the truths of our real spiritual essence rises up. Because otherwise, Peter, what What's the point? <laughs> That's this. This is this is what we need. This is the point to me of awakening, of being spiritual. Is is to ingrain that in yourself and approach the world and other people more like brothers and sisters than as enemies or or contestants. So, in terms of, of, of the collapse of materialism, the title of of your book, do you have a sense of how that is going to take place? Well, no, I don't, but my best guess is that it's going to be a combination of a grassroots, which is that people, your listeners, the public, coming to the conclusion that everything science is saying cannot be right, 
I think uh, over 50% of the people uh, polled recently don't believe in the Big Bang. Uh, a lot of people don't believe in Darwinism. So par- that's partly grassroots. But, but also, the, the textbooks need to be rewritten. Our schools, our, the curriculum needs to be changed. This is going to make the Scopes trial look like sort of a blip on the screen. We, we, need to, we need to change our message, change our education. This is, a big, this, is a, this is a big deal but because it needs to be top down and bottom up. Okay? And that's why it's going to be a long process. But when you think about it, that's something that I always, um, I always fall back to is that Max, Max Planck, you know, the founder of quantum theory, said something like, uh, science progresses funeral by funeral. It, in, many, in, many, in many cases, the old generation has to go away and the new generation has to rise up and it keeps cycling through. And if what I'm saying is true, then eventually we're going to have a generation of people who are going to be open-minded and are going to carry this ball, ball forward. You know, you really got to look at the, at the, the long term here. But I think, but I'm very optimistic because of the number of people who are questioning uh, science, who want more out of life, who are following the spiritual path, who are giving some weight to the notion of awakening. And so, so we'll, I, we'll, I, come up, we'll, we'll come up. We'll come up to our final break now. We'll take that now, and we'll come back in a few moments with uh, Philip Philip Camilla, uh, Peter Tongue for awakening to conscious co-creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. 
If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Having me today, Philip Camilla. And Philip, uh, just let our listeners know how they can connect with you. You have your own radio show, your book, and, and your website. Okay, my radio show is called Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, and that's the name of the show. It's at webtalkradio.net, and I have guests from spanning uh, the fields of science, spirituality, and, and religion. My website is thecollapseofmaterialism.com, and I can always be reached at Philip Camella, that's C-O-M-E-L-L-A, at gmail.com to follow up on anything here. So that's, that's how people could get in touch with me and learn more about what I'm doing. Great, great. Thanks, Philip. And I was chuckling at the end of the last segment because when I was the school principal, um, it was obvious, uh, again, as, as with all of these systems that you were talking about, they tend to transform slowly. But the only way we could really make shift in the schools to, to get certain of the old guard to retire, <laughs> so yeah. essentially die out of the school, so uh, we could actually start moving forward. It, it's, it's a sad comment, but it's the way yeah. it is. It is. It is a sad, you know, we have a, we have a number of, uh, I mean, the, the book, The Tipping Point, was a very important book, and the notion of the tipping point. And I, and I don't use it a lot because I think it's, um, I don't want to steal it, but there is something to be said for that, that there's a point where all the problems of materialism, some of which we covered on this show and which I go into in more detail in my book, that it just becomes too much to bear, whether it's the quantum theory whether it's the fine-tuning of the universe, whether it's the order, the paranormal, spirituality, and, and there's a point where it just can't hold any, it can't hold it anymore, and it will collapse. Okay? It was going to fall apart. It's like a horse that can't run any farther, and you've got to get on a new horse. And I think that's sort of where we're at, where this, this horse of materialism has brought us the world of technology, uh, energy, all the gizmos and and um, the the advancements of modern science it has brought us very far, but it is not a good model for understanding the world we live in. It's 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 something to for us to use to manipulate the world to our betterment. It's not the model to define who we are because it limits us. And so let's talk a little bit about the fine tuning then of this science spirituality that edge that you're talking about. Yes. Yes, yes, that is that is really I think what has to happen that we have we have used the model of materialism to define who we are and and on your show and on my show it comes up again and again it limits us. We start thinking we're robots and we can't get outside of our bodies. When things like the placebo effect is a good example, where we know that beliefs can heal the body, and the stronger that belief, the more powerful that, that healing ability. And we need to start opening up and letting our spirits prosper and flower. So there is really an unlimited potential here that what I'm trying to do is accelerate that move. 
I think this is the this is where things are heading. And between me and you, I sort of want to be around when it happens. So, <laughs> so, 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 so sort of got to move that got to move that uh, that tipping point up up a little bit. Uh, you know, the point about the funerals that sort of as I always say, if you can't beat them, you outlive them, which is the same basic thing. But I really, it would be nice to have a couple leading scientists come out and say, you know what, we could be science, scientific and do our job and write our textbooks and teach and at the same time incorporate a mind-first worldview. Use it. That's so in the, last, uh, in the last few minutes that we have then, Philip, why don't we uh, ask you just to talk a little bit about from, from your experience of, of writing the book and all the research that you've done, and as a, a person standing on the planet today during this awakening moment, how should we actually be living our lives to align ourselves with this real dream? Well, I, I think the number one thing is to never doubt yourself, never accept a belief that limits you, and to follow what all all the wise people and all the insightful people say, which is to dream big dreams and to follow that dream until you get there. Because if you hold fast to that dream, nothing will stop you and you could overcome any obstacle. I mean, this book itself was a dream of mine. I wanted to put together an argument against materialism and for a spiritual world and it and I never gave up and it took me 40 years to get here and and it's to me that's what it's about at the same time we have to understand that the the truth of all those the all those founders of the great religions were right that the golden rule is correct that the 10 commandments are correct that morality is ingrained in our soul it's not just a happy thought it is it is a scientific truth because if we're all one, then we need to treat each other like we would treat ourselves. And so, so I put that together, um, Peter, and with, with the critical standpoint that I've said a lot, which is question these, these opinions, these beliefs that science and religion tells us. Don't take everything on faith. Open up, open up that original text. Read it yourself and, and use the critical skills that we have to question and and to um, follow follow your own vision and and never never ever give up. So that's about that's that's what I'm about. I'm about following the biggest dream and not and never giving up. I think one of the neat, one of the neat things that's that's come to my awareness, Philip, is that when you actually do awaken to this higher path and this this dream that you you speak of you can actually begin to see much more clearly how the great world religions fit in and how there is so much truth there, but there are also distortions. And also the same is true with the science, that you can actually see how it's evolved and you can see from a higher perspective. So I can see now why that, that thread followed through, but ultimately it isn't the real answer, but it was a, a, guide, a guidepost for us to get to where we are today. Right, right. It builds, it builds upon itself. It's sort of like those of us who have had a high before, whether it's exercising, whether it's a nature, or whether it's something else. Imagine capturing that, holding it, and then growing that thought. That's really what this is about. 
It's really about about ascending the ladders of consciousness where where your vision, your understanding becomes greater and 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 with time and everything everything grows upward. And it really is and at the at the at, at the end of the day and the last thing I guess I would say is that I am to me, we've got to make this real. It's got to be in this world here now. It's not just in our bedrooms or in the or in the meditation room. We need to bring the visions, the awakening to the real world, and build ourselves a better planet. Well, Philip, I, that that brings us to a perfect conclusion. I really appreciate your time today, and congratulations on the book. It's a very powerful and very detailed, well-researched book, and I appreciate. Book and I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Hey Peter, thanks a whole lot for, for having me on your show. It's been a blast. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. My guest next week is Lydia Smith, and she has just directed a wonderful uh, documentary called Walking the Camino. Having walked it herself, she was inspired to then direct a documentary film about it, which is absolutely excellent. And I'll be talking to her next week about the production of the a documentary, but also about the spiritual insights that she gained from her own experiences and those of the people walking that El Camino Trail. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tongue for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 